Hi, Tyler here. Welcome to Chapter 17 on Economic Growth. Before we jump into that, let me just remind remind you of where we've been and how what, where we're headed fits in. In Chapter, what is it? I don't know, back Chapter 8 or 9, I, I don't remember specifically, we, we built the aggregate supply aggregate demand model to help us, to help us understand the behavior of output and employment and unemployment, these primary economic variables. And then we uh, we launched we used that model and launched into a discussion of policy. Uh, that is originally fiscal policy, initially fiscal policy, and then monetary policy. The focus through those chapters, whether you realize it or not, is is the short run. That is how fiscal and monetary policy can affect aggregate demand and thereby stabilize the economy. But if you go back to the original aggregate supply aggregate demand model. In fact, I'm going to look it up here in my in the book, so you can, there's no slide on it in this chapter. I should have done that earlier. I think in chapter nine. If you look in chapter nine, on page, yeah, where is it? On page, well, it's it's page two hundred four, really. Or maybe even better, page two ten. If you look at page two ten, where it has the complete aggregate demand aggregate supply model, has the aggregate demand curve sloping down, the upward sloping aggregate supply curve, which is the short run aggregate supply curve, and then it has this vertical aggregate demand. Excuse me, has this vertical long run aggregate supply curve. Now, just look at page 210, figure 15, and note that in the long run, let me emphasize this point, in the long run, output is determined, and remember, remember we're measuring output on that horizontal axis, output is determined by wherever the long run aggregate supply curve is. Aggregate demand could shift up left, right, shift all over, but th that doesn't affect the long-run equilibrium. Let me say this again. In the long run, aggregate demand is irrelevant as far as output is concerned. In the long run, it's our ability to produce that matters. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 on fiscal and monetary policy dealt primarily with shifting the aggregate demand curve and thereby trying to affect output. But that only matters in the short run. Fiscal and monetary policy are about the short run. The government and the Fed trying to use its powers to influence aggregate demand to stabilize the economy. But that's a very short run concept. Uh, in the long run, Aggregate demand is irrelevant, and so consequently, any shift in the aggregate demand curve brought about by monetary and fiscal policy, as far as output is concerned, is irrelevant. In the long run, our attention is exclusively on the long run aggregate supply curve, and we're asking the question, what causes it to shift to the right? In the short run, aggregate demand has some influence on output, but in the long run, it doesn't. So in the long run, if we're trying to think about what determines output, our focus is exclusively on the long run aggregate supply curve. 
In terms of figure 15 on page 210, if we want more output in the long run, the long run supply curve has to shift right. So the question of chapter 17, the chapter we're on now, is what causes the long run supply curve to shift to the right? Let's go to, uh, call up your slides if you will. And by the way, I'll ask, I'll, let me just offer this while you're calling up the slides. And that is that long run, uh, understand the de determinants of output in the long run are, are really much easier since, again, we're, we don't have to worry about aggregate demand. We don't, we're just, our focus is just on long run aggregate supply. It's, if we ask the question, what determines economic growth, the, the answer is not overwhelming. Uh, well, before we before we get into the determinants of economic growth, which in a way we've already gone over, because even back in chapter uh, back in chapter nine, we talked about what shifts the longer average supply curve to the right. Well, that's the same thing as economic growth, the longer average supply curve moving to the right. Well, in slide two in chapter seventeen, we we give a, a little more careful definition of economic growth. It's an increase in real GDP. Sometimes we define it, however, you ought to be aware that not. sometimes we define economic growth as an increase in real GDP per capita. But either way, real GDP increases or real GDP per capita increases. That's economic growth. In terms of figure 15 in chapter 9 on page 210, it's represented by the long-run aggregate supply curve shifting to the right. Our ability to produce is going up. Now it also notes there on slide two that small changes in the rate of growth can have a because of the effect of compound growth rates can have a, a great impact over time. For example, I'm going to reach over here and grab my financial calculator, my famous HP 12C, Hewlett Packard 12C. If uh, if you have a say you have five hundred dollars. All I'm going to do right now is illustrate the effects of compound growth. Oh, let's make it interesting. Let's say you have $50,000. And it grows at a 10% rate for 10 years. That means that over, and that after that 20, after that 10 years, it'll be worth 100, you'll have 130000 so on a, based on a compound annual rate of 10%, 50,000 will eat will uh you'll if you put 50,000 in some investment in 10 years. I don't think that's actually doesn't sound quite. Let me do that again. So you have 50,000. Yeah, that's by right. You put that in some investment. You yields 10% return. You leave it in there for 10 years. And my calculator's thinking you'll have 100, approximately 130,000. But let's say that you only get 5% return. Now in 10 years, you only have 80,000. Uh, so compound growth rates can have a large effect. And now we see this in slide, in slide three. And the point here is that is, is a, a, a relatively small different economic growth over time can have a huge impact on a nation's standard of living. Which, by the way, another term we ought to introduce, real GDP per capita is a good measure of standard of living. That's output per person. Well, output per person is the same thing as income per person. A standard, our standard of living 
equals output per person, each person's share of the economic pie. Well, a small uh, difference in the rate of growth of real GDP per capita can have a long-term impact, a, a large impact on standard of living, standards of living over time. Now, uh, and you see, you see uh, just a hypothetical example in slide three. Uh, if you have, if you start out with the same amount of gross domestic product, billion dollars, and you have a 2.5 percent growth rate after four years, that'll grow to 2.7 billion. If it grows at 3.4 percent, that'll equal 3.9 billion. This is this is of more than academic interest. The U.S. economy has been growing at a real GDP growth rate of around 3% in recent years. The Chinese economy has been growing almost double digits in recent years. Uh, you can ask the question if, if you could look at current real GDP in the United States and China. So, of course, it's a lot higher in the United States. But if the Chinese growth rate stays at 10%, the U.S. growth rate stays at 3%, you could figure out how long it'll take the Chinese economy to be bigger than the U.S. economy. And I've seen those projections, and it, it's not that long. In, in discussing compound growth rates, going to slide four, uh, an, an interesting, a useful rule of thumb is the so-called rule of 72, which, which tells us, given some compound growth rate, if you divide that into 72, that'll tell you how many years it'll take a variable to double. And so, again, based on a 6% growth rate, you see the example there. It'll take 12 years for the variable to double. So if you put $50,000 in a bank uh, and some investment and it yields 6%, you'll have 100000 in 12 years. Well, if it's 10, if the growth rate's 10 years, you divide 10 into 72, and, of course, you'll get a, a doubling in 7.2 years. Well, this is an approximation. With financial calculators nowadays, it's easy to figure out exactly how long it'll take a variable to double. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get into uh, the determinants of GDP per capita. Skipping ahead to slide way all the way ahead to slide eleven. Well, yeah, you, you you'll see slide nine and ten talk about just what I've already talked about. Economic growth can be visual, uh, can be represented as a long a shift in the longer average supply curve. But what, here's the point. Let's get to the main point here. Quit mumbling, Tyler, and get to the main point. The main point is, what are the causes? Or in other words, what are the determinants of economic growth? And we and we see them here in slide 11. This is the slide. This is what it's all about. Well, you either have to have more resources, or you have to get more out of those resources. Output is determined by the quantity of resources multiplied by the productivity of resources, just as a pure engineering or mathematical fact. The output of a nation is a factor, a product of how many resources you have and the productivity of those resources. Well, the quantity of resources, remember we break resources down into three primary components. Labor, capital, and land. We see those in slide 11. You either have economic growth as a function of the rate of growth of the labor force, and not just in terms of quantity, but also in terms of quality. Economic growth is a function of how 
fast our capital stock increases. Capital, remember, is the equipment, factories, machines we use to use produce other goods. Of course, capital-abundant countries are rich, and capital-poor countries are poor. In the United States, we get a lot of output per worker because we have a lot of capital for that worker to use. Just in my relatively young lifetime, I have seen remarkable changes in in agriculture. And I forgot to turn my phone off, so hang on one. Okay, I'm back. We're looking at slide 11 on the determinants of economic growth. Have to have more resources or better technology. Resources are broken down into land, labor, and capital. Uh, when it comes to labor, you have more, more labor or better educated labor, more equipment. Land, remember, is all natural resources, so um, you, you, you develop new oil deposits or coal deposits, although it's worth remembering that, that uh, there's interaction among all of these factors. There are examples of nations which have relatively limited natural resources, which have experienced high rates of economic growth. They've more than compensated for their lack of natural resources by uh, capital and an educated labor force. Japan, of course, would be the would be the primary example of a, of a high income nation of, that is, in the past has achieved rapid achieved rapid economic growth without a large natural resource base. And technology is is just the way we use resources, combine resources to produce goods and services. And uh, the faster the rate of technology technological growth, the rapid more rapid will be economic growth. Well. Where does that lead us? If you'll move along to, uh, we're going to go to slide. Well, this lecture's going to be particularly long. Let me go back to just say a little bit about technology, and and, and this relates to labor as well. Uh, we've been fortunate in the United States because of the of the technology, the rapid technological growth that's taken place in the United States, and and there's been a lot of self-congratulations because of the number of patents and copyrights that are, that are received by U.S. citizens. And there's also been a lot of self-congratulations over the fact that the United States is fortunate enough to have a number of very, very good universities. And it is at those universities where, where much technological uh, know-how is developed, uh, and that's all that's all fine and dandy, and we hope that continues. There's also some concern in more recent years about the about the lack of scientific and engineering talent that the United States is producing, where we've uh, for a number of years relied upon uh, immigration, uh, foreign students to come over and study. The sciences and engineering in American or U.S. universities. Um, I don't know. That's, uh, uh, there's some concern that uh, that uh, we've that 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 trend can't continue. The final thing I want to mention, and it's not there's not a slide on it. So if you would if you go to page 411 in your text, I hope you have your text handy. There's a nice equation that summarizes this relationship between the quantity of resources and the productivity of resources. 
there's a concept called total factor productivity. If you'll turn to page 411, total factor productivity is is it's not the productivity of labor or the productivity of capital. It's it's some notion that given a, an aggregate quantity of resources, some composite made up of capital, labor, and land, what is the productivity of that composite resource? Or in other words, what's total factor productivity? If you take total factor productivity and multiply by the quantity of that factor, you get output. So output equals total factor productivity minus the quantity of the factor. Uh, and mathematically, you can then derive the rates of change equation, which we see at the top of page 411. That is, the rate of change of output, which is economic growth, equals the growth rate of factor productivity plus the growth rate of the quantity of the resource. And further down, we see if we break resources out into two components, labor and capital, remember there are more than that, but just these two factors, labor and capital, we see that uh, the rate of economic growth, that is the percentage change in output, which we use the symbol y, is a function of the percentage change or the rate of growth in factor productivity plus the rate of growth of labor plus the rate of growth of capital. A very nice equation to keep in mind. So we either have to have factor productivity going up, which is a function primarily of technology, and we have to have, or we have to have more resources and more capital. Well, I think that's a nice place probably to end this this rather short lecture. Uh, bye bye.